Hey y'all, it's your girl IJ. And this is Cut. And And you're you're listening listening to The The Refresh. Refresh. Hang out with us for a while and rejuvenate your mind through open discussions about Black mental health. No subject is off limits. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of The Refresh Show with myself and IJ. So we're going to kick things off with our hygge for the week. My hygge for the week, as you probably know, Ijama, is that I started a new job. Yay! (laughs) Confetti, confetti. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very excited about it. I had been at a place for a very long time and I was ready for new opportunities And yeah, I ended up getting placed at a company that I was really passionate about. And I started this week. So yeah. Wow. You have been freed officially. I know. It's crazy. It's very surreal still, honestly. Yeah. Just got to take it all in. So every moment of it, because it's literally been like (laughs) the moment you've been waiting for for several years. (laughs) I mean, at least two years, right? But let me not say too much before, you know. (laughs) the people watching so (laughs) (laughs) oh my god the ops the ops are listening (laughs) (laughs) now I finally understand what ops means because I promise you with this whole Drake song I was like what are ops because I thought he meant cops without a c wow but I guess that means his enemies yeah the opposition okay okay yeah (laughs) like the revolution got it (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) Well, yeah, talk about a hygge. That's amazing. I know. Um, I know. It's really I didn't know amazing. how much you wanted to elaborate on it or not. It's such a big moment. I mean, you know, um, yeah, I, I just don't want to do too much. I'm like terrified still. It's really sad. But yeah, I was at a place that I had been trying to leave for a while. They weren't really, I don't think, it wasn't the place for me. Let me just keep it corporate. And move on. But yeah, that's in the past and I'm moving on up and I've moved on up and out and I'm very happy where I am so far. So yeah, the (laughs) hygge. Well, good. Well, my hygge was that in the last like two-ish weeks, I feel like I have like reestablished my cycling routine because I had gotten like just kind of inconsistent, I felt like, and really in like December and like with the holidays and everything, you know, then the end of the year just be so crazy and busy. And like, I don't know about you, but that time for like children, especially is a lot, which means that people who work with children deal with a lot. So I just felt like I just fell off of that routine and, you mm-hmm. know, it's never really a good feeling. So it felt really good to just get back into it. And like, even the first class that I returned to, like, you know, you saw your instructor and like, you know, gave me a hug and I was like, it's so good to have you back. And, you know, it just made you feel like good. And you just remember exactly like everything that you love about cycling. So that was just a good feeling. And it made me just happy. And I don't know, I just felt like proud of myself for getting, getting that back together. That's good. Yeah, That's nice. Yeah. The holidays are wild. They really are. It's just like everything's due. Everyone's insane. Everything's stressful. (laughs) And you still just have to like go through life as if nothing is different. 
But you also get a lot of delicious meals and to visit friends and family. You know, it's a toss-up. <laughs> That's very, very true. But leading up to that is is a lot. So, yeah, that was my hookah. I forgot to mention to you that I started cycling. Did I tell you that? Um, You told me you went to a class. Yeah, so I'm joining one before Friday, like in the next couple of days. But wow, I remember you took me to a cycling class in Columbus, but... Wow, like these y'all be doing the most in cycling. I couldn't keep up. I could not keep up. It was so painful doing push-ups and side to side and you know, waving a rag in the air and stuff. It was intense. Like I was, I mean, I finished second to last in the class because they have like little trackers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I mean it's cool. I love a challenge. So I'm gonna start going maybe twice a week. Nice. Yeah. Um, is it like a cycling studio or like a just like classes? It's a studio. So one of them is called Ruckus. Mm-hmm. They have, I think, two or three locations in Atlanta. Um, very, you know, it's like a rave. You know, you go in, it's a big room, the lights go down, the, the lights like follow the music that's playing. The instructors <laughs> are amazing. You know, you get to see your stats up on the screen and when your where your heart rate is and stuff. And the other one was a studio called Vibride which is woman-owned, and I believe it's Black woman-owned in Atlanta. They were like a bit more homey with it. You know, like, just come in, let's have a good time, play some trap music and have a good ride. But yeah, I tried both of them. So now I'm kind of trying to decide which one I'm going to join officially. But yeah, great workout for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think what I like the most about it is just like, it just feels fun. It's like, every time I go, I just feel like I'm listening. I'm like, cycling at a concert basically <laughs> you know <laughs> so i just be on there like singing the songs and slick kind of like dancing and then like some of the um, <laughs> instructors be adding in their little choreo or whatnot you'd be like shoot left right five six, seven eight doing all of that <laughs> yeah like at vibride one the teacher her name was tuesday she was awesome and it was like a drake her name versus tuesday the- Tuesday. Her name is Tuesday. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. She's like in love with Drake. It was a Drake day. And they like do things where they like, she says like, uh, right, left. And then everyone goes up, up. And you know me <laughs> at first, I'm like, this is silly. But then by the end of it, I was like, up, up. Right. Right. It was, it was a little party. So yeah, I'm happy. Um, Happy that I started that, and I'm happy that you got back to your routine. Why, thank you. If you want to share your huga with us, follow us on Instagram at The Refresh Show, and let us know what your huga was in the comments. Today, we'll be discussing our experiences growing up as second-generation Americans. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, second generation refers to individuals born in the United States with at least one foreign-born parent. Research has shown that the population of second-generation Americans has been steadily increasing since the 1990s, and it's currently estimated that second-generation Americans make up about 12% of the population. This equates to almost 40 million people. Growing up as a children of Nigerian immigrants provided us with many unique experiences, and today we're going to share some of our more memorable stories with you from our childhood and teenage years. So, IJ, what is um, one of the things that you think about first when you think of growing up in America as a first-generation Nigerian? 
Um, I feel like one of the earlier memories is just always knowing that you were like a little bit different than other kids. And I even feel like I remember that as early as preschool because like our names just very clearly stand out, <laughs> you know, like there was absolutely mm-hmm. no one else named Ujama in my class and really any of my classes. And the only other like Ujamas I knew were in the Nigerian community. And obviously none of them went to school with me. So that was just always something that it's just like one of my stronger memories from childhood. And like one thing that I always think about is during roll call, like, yes. you know, you're just going like <laughs> Ashley, uh, Bethany, you know, Christy, whoever. And then it's like the longest pause ever. <laughs> and they're just yep. like, Ooh, ee, I don't know what to do. Y'all gonna have to help me with this one. Right. It's like, <laughs> I, the amount of times people have said, you know what? I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to spell it, you know? <laughs> so it was always this like big, like circus, like intro to my name and I just never liked that. Like I remember just feeling like it just brought unnecessary attention to me and I just yeah. remember not liking that feeling as a child. Oh, I think that's something that we all went through. I mean, you just didn't you didn't realize what was going on and I like how you put it that something was different about me because it was just unwanted attention, right? You they're just breezing through the names of everyone else and no one's even paying attention. But at a certain point I started anticipating, you know, maybe uh, probably third-ish grade. I started to anticipate roll calls in, you know, the new years of school because it's like, oh, this is a new teacher. We're going to have to do this again. Oh, she's approaching the O's. Here I come. And then, you know, you can see it in their face where they're like, uh, what, oh, I don't know, Odell is the last name, like Brandy Odell. And then she just stops on the list and freezes. And you see this like deer caught in a headlight look in their eyes and you just know. So what I started doing at a point is I would look for that facial expression and then I would just put my hand up. Same. (laughs) I would be like, it's me, Ijama. That's how you say it. Like, I know exactly what you mean, like anticipating and almost like counting down. Cause you like, you know, as you got older and you have the same classes with people, like, you know, who is right in front of you. So once you hear that person's name, you're like prepared to just be like, it's me, you know? And I remember like during those times, just always feeling like a little nervous too. Cause I remember my heart would always be beating fast. Like, uh, like here's the moment that's going to happen. So I would always just try to get ahead of it. Yeah. And that always led to the possible. I mean, I, I don't know if you went through this also, but sometimes I would, especially in a new class and especially in elementary school, there would be like a little group of kids who thought it was hilarious that, you know, because a teacher kind of made a joke out of it, maybe unknowingly, but they used to be like, oh, y'all going to have to help me with this one, you know? And then like, there would be those kids who laughed and it wasn't fun to be kind of like this spectacle just because of your name, you know? And it's like, as they move on past your name to someone else, I kind of felt a little violated, if I'm not lying, just like a little, that was too much, you know? So yeah, I used to get teased for it. I used to get teased for my name a lot. Did you get teased for your name? I feel like we never talked about that. I actually never got teased for my name. Like that was something, like no one ever pointed and laughed at me because of, my name. I felt like 
any teasing I experienced was just more of like being African, you know what I mean? So there were like, I think mm. some movies out at the time where like, you know, oh, people God. make those clicking noises or try to talk in like a weird African accent. And like, everyone knows the African booty scratcher joke, which I'm like, it's even, these are like, all where from did, literally where did it come from? <laughs> this is all one movie, IJ. Everything it you is? just said. Yes. It is coming to America. The bane of our oh. existence. Yes. Wow. African booty scratcher. The little dart thing where they would like put their hand to their mouth and act like they were blowing a dart out. I think mm-hmm. that's from there too. The clicking noise is definitely from coming to America. And something about lions. I forgot what the line was, but some line that people thought was hilarious about a lion. And it wasn't funny. Wow. Yeah. So that was like what I would get, but it was never like, I was never bullied, you know, like I do not have any significant stories of teasing and bullying to where I was like affected by it, but it would just, you know, you're like ribbing with your friends or whatever. And they would say things like that, but it was always just like, okay, why does it always have to be about being African as opposed to just making fun of me for being like lanky, you know, (laughs) or something like that. Because when we're ribbing our friends, we're not talking about their ethnicities or their culture, like you just talk about the way they look or something. So I felt like every time I was getting teased in that way, it always had to be about being African. And I think that just made it stand out even more. Yeah. You, you ride giraffes to school. You live in a mud hut, exactly. a mud house. Uh, but no, I was teased by my name quite a bit. I think it was because my name was longer and, you know, people see long names at that age and their brain just kind of explodes. But it really got bad for me after 9-11. There was this one girl, I cannot get this out of my head and I'll never forget it, but we were leaving recess and you know how you line up on the blacktop after recess? We were getting in line. I had gotten to the line earlier. You know, it's not by height, alphabetical order is who gets there first. And this girl all, you know, out of breath from recess and playing, she just stands right in front of me. She just skipped me. And you know how big a deal skipping was back then? And I just tapped on her shoulder and I was like, um, you skipped me. She turned around, okay, like with all her might. And she goes, shut up, Osama. Wow. And then a bunch of people in line started started laughing. And, you know, a part of me was kind of embarrassed and hurt, but most of me was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> right. Like there's no correlation whatsoever. Literally. The correlation is zero. Uh that's so sad though, because it's like obviously it's been several years since that, but it's like you remember that clear as day, you know? Yeah. Can't forget it. Mm-mm. Definitely will never forget that. But screw her. Seriously. But I will say, like, you know, as we got older in childhood, if you will the jokes about being African and stuff definitely like wasn't a thing. Like I felt like by middle school and like high school for sure, like that just wasn't really happening. Like it was for sure an elementary school thing. I mean, honestly for me, when I got older, it became like a teacher thing. Like teachers used to give me a hard time in um, yeah, middle school, definitely middle school and like sixth grade, seventh grade. There was this one teacher named Dr. Orvis who she just didn't like me. And I I said her name, Dr. Orvis. I don't know what her issue was, but she had one with me. And then one day she got really red in the face and she like slammed her hands down on my desk. And she said something about being an African princess and that I need to go back to where I came from. Wow. And 
Right. It was a whole moment where I was confused because she was a grown up, you know, but also it was like, why are you so angry? But mm-hmm. now looking back, I know what she probably was racist. <laughs> yeah. And I was just going to say it's crazy because nowadays, like people are getting fired for those types of things, you know, whereas yeah. for us, it was just like, oh, you just have to bear it. Put your head down and just go through the rest of your day. Yeah. That's sad, though. It's like you expect one thing from the kids, but the teachers, come on. Yeah. I'll never forget that lady. She had the worst looking like this hair butterfly clip. She used to clip her like like her bob, like a sharp bob with. And I was just like, your hair looks makes you look like a five year old, but you're like 25. (laughs) Dang. Well, what else do you recall from childhood and teenage years? Hmm. I remember, I think the most pronounced one for me is going to be just like social stuff. Like my parents were very strict and I was not allowed to do much of anything. If I want to put a number on it, I was probably allowed to do maybe 5% of the things that came my way as far as invites. That was really tough because, you know, I made it harder to feel included in school with the other girls because they did something over the weekend that I was invited to, but I didn't go, you know? Yeah, for sure. Girl, my parents, I don't know if they were more strict than yours, probably more strict, honestly. But I remember just feeling like y'all don't let us do anything. And you're right. Like to put a number on it, I would estimate maybe maybe 20, 25%. And that's only because I fought for it. You know, like I remember with my older sister, she wasn't able to do, like she probably actually did five, zero to 5% of things. (laughs) And, you know, I I grew up watching that and it's like, no, like absolutely not for me. So when that came around for me, like I remember I would, it would have to be a full ordeal every time I wanted to step outside of that house. Like, I remember I would be like, okay, I'm going to clean the entire house first. (laughs) So you literally (laughs) clean everything and you make sure your parents see you doing it, you know? So you clean the whole house and then you were like, I remember like literally practicing what I'm going to say. Like, okay, you have to say this. You have to tell them who's going to be there. You have to tell them this is the time. (laughs) Literally preparing a script, basically. And then it was like, okay, well, if this doesn't work, you have to get this person's mom to call, this person's mom to call, and this person's mom to call. And like every single time I wanted to do something, I would have to do all of that. And it worked sometimes, but it didn't work most of the time. So you like to do all of that and to still get a no, girl, I used to be heated, like pissed. You were right. You worked for it because for me, it was no. And, you know, I might've cried or X a couple more times, but it was like, you're not going. But I didn't do any of the pre-stuff that you did, the pre-planning. I did practice my script you know, in a pool of sweat because I'm just so (laughs) nervous to actually deliver it. But um, yeah, I didn't do any of the other stuff unless they asked me to do it. So girl, you deserve that 25. I did not know your number (laughs) was that high. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, girl. And it's like, why am I, why is my little nine-year-old self happen to do all of this just to go to jazz fest with Vanessa? You know, like, let me go. (laughs) But (laughs) I will say that they were a little bit more lax when it came to like Nigerian friends because like I was at your house all of the time and vice versa. Like that was never an issue or a problem or a question. It's like, of course, but 
The one time you want to be like, can I go by Ashley? No. <laughs> yeah. Who's Ashley? <laughs> Who lives with her? Her mother and her father? Oh, and don't let Ashley mama have been divorced and her dad was taking girls for the weekend. Like, right. if my parents found out that a parent was single, like, I could not go. And they were almost offended by me even asking them to go like every single time. And I kind of get it, but also like maybe talk to him and get to know him or meet him instead right. of just judging and being like, nah, so but there are yeah, problem was... solving strategies here. Like <laughs> this is not the end nah. all be all. But yeah, I just remember that being, it just felt so limiting and it always just felt so unfair. And I remember there was like this one kind of like blowout fight that I had with my parents. And I was definitely in high school at this point. And I think I had just gotten to my like boiling point. And I remember like crying and screaming at my parents. And I said something along the lines of, I could be out there drinking and doing drugs and pregnant and in prison. <laughs> All I do is get good grades and do everything y'all want. And I, you won't even let me just see my friends. And it was like <laughs> a teenage breakdown. <laughs> Did they let you go? Was, of course not. <laughs> oh, I don't know. They was probably like, you know what? <laughs> she, she's, she's uh, on to something. <laughs> I just remember that moment just being like, wow, like, why won't y'all just let me do what everyone else is doing? And I remember their answer was always like, we just weren't raised like that. And it was, ugh, it was just so disappointing. Like you mentioned earlier, we were definitely lucky to have each other and, you know, whatever other cousins or friends that were Nigerian that you had, because for me, it was you and Chinoye. Like that was it. Chinoye, by the way, is my god sister, but that was it. I was sleepover at her house and I would sleep over at your house. And that was probably around 90% of my social sleepovers that I was able to have, like up until really like maybe 10th grade. So if I didn't have y'all, I don't know what the hell I would have been doing. I probably still want to be at home, like to this day in my childhood bedroom, like rocking back and forth in the corner. Because oh, oh <laughs> it was... It was tough. It was definitely tough. But yeah, I mean, the community was, you know, something that got us through, I guess, because all of our parents treated us like that. Or most of our parents were the same, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's like the there's probably always at least one person who got to do stuff. And it's just like, wow, like, what's that like? You know, <laughs> like your parents are so yeah. nice. But Girl, I would say, we, yeah, that we was... know who that was. <laughs> <laughs> we sure do. We sure do. Like, wow, what a what a house to go visit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Freedom. But I feel like while we're on the subject of parents not letting us do stuff, we kind of have to share the story from my graduation. Of course we do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what a night. <laughs> what a night. So to set the stage... This was my <laughs> high school graduation night. That means after four years of high school, doing everything right, getting good grades, getting into school, I was finally graduating. So there was a graduation party that night. And I remember Cud was actually came to graduation and was spending the night that evening. And I remember I'd asked my parents, could we go to that graduation party? And of course they were like, no, like it's not safe, crime, like every excuse in the book. And 
try to reason with them, some back and forth, but they are just not budging. So Cut and I have to devise (laughs) a plan (laughs) to make sure that we go. You want to take the lead from here? Sure. And just let me know because, you know, I'm sure we have both two sides of this. But yeah, we I remember us sitting at the dining table. I think we were eating dinner and your parents, I just remember them being so like you were so passionate about going, like you really wanted to go and you could feel it in the room. And they were just so dismissive. They were like, no, you're not going. Just very like, oh, what's on the news? I could feel your blood boiling from across the table. So we go into your room and we devise this plan where I got my boy Wallace. You remember Wallace? Shout out <laughs> yes, to Wallace. with the mole on his face. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, it was a beautiful mole. And I didn't say it wasn't. <laughs> I know, I know. It's gorgeous. It was a gorgeous mole. And he, that red car of his, pulled up on us in East New Orleans and we snuck out. We, we rolled out a window out, y'all. Two Nigerian children snuck out of the home and made it back alive to tell the tale. (laughs) To tell, barely, but we snuck out. He, I will never forget the feeling of driving away from your house. I just kept expecting for someone to call us within like five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Like every second we were out, I could not relax because I'm like, they're about to call us and tell us to bring our asses back home. Right. But it didn't happen. I was to my phone like, oh my God, oh my God, it's happening right now. It's (laughs) happening right now. But girl, we made it. How long did we stay? Was it like 30 minutes or like two hours? Probably like no more than two hours. (laughs) Yeah, two feels realistic. And that was Teresa's party, right? No, it was actually at this like, I forget exactly what the place was called, but I think one of the rich kids just like rented something out. (laughs) Wow. Right. I remember there being alcohol. There was definitely Mm -hmm. alcohol because by the time we got back to your house, you know what happened. Yes, I actually want to hear you. Yeah, I'm going to say, actually, I'm the only one who can tell. (laughs) Because I'm just going (laughs) to laugh, honestly. (laughs) So, y'all, we, again, two Nigerian children snuck out, went out, (laughs) had the time of our lives. We finally make it back. Like, we have succeeded. All we had left to do was to climb into the bedroom window. So, of course, (laughs) I go first, literally just jump through very quickly and efficiently. (laughs) When it's Cud's turn to come through, she literally puts one leg over the windowsill to like where she's almost (laughs) straddling it and then just like was not moving. And I'm like, Cud, come on. Like, we're right here, like rushing her. Like, what are you doing? So, of course, her drunk ass is over here laughing. I couldn't stop. I couldn't <laughs> Just stop Just sitting laughing. on the windowsill laughing for a, like what felt like 75 days. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> if we made it this far and my dad knocks on my door, like I'm going to kill you myself. <laughs> It was just, you look so worried. Like, that's all I remember is you sounded, you sounded so worried. And I don't know why it was so funny, bro. I I don't know why you you were worried. (laughs) I don't know. Like, my worry was covered up, was eclipsed by the way you sounded. Like, I don't understand how that happened. Because all I was imagining was your father opening the door and seeing me straddling this windowsill. Yeah. But and he would have killed us, so, y'all. <laughs> I know. And I never would have been able to see you again. Right. But eventually, 
she gets me in something about sand. I remember like there being sand like on your windowsill or in your room from climbing in. And yeah, I don't oh, know, yeah, because it was dirt on, dirt outside. Yeah, I pulled you mm-hmm. in. Uh-uh. <laughs> She's not going to be able to get herself in here. I just yanked her in. Like <laughs> I was like, we are inside of the house and now you want to play. <laughs> Oh man, what a night. Oh, what a night. But we didn't get caught. And here right. we are today, two successful grown ups. And, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't get murdered or, you know, uh, our drinks spiked or our cars stolen or pulled over by cops. A comet didn't fall on our heads. Like, exactly. we're, we're fine. Nothing so, our parents predicted came true, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I understand that our parents are that way because, you know, they just feared for us. And coming from where they were coming from, America just seemed like such a, you know, like willy nilly place. And I don't know if it's because they were afraid of America or if they were afraid of things that happened in Nigeria that made them afraid of being in a foreign place. I don't know. But they definitely kept us from a lot of experiences that a lot of parents today like they don't do that to their kids these days, which is really nice to see. Yeah. And like, I feel like I haven't had the conversation that I want to have with my parents about everything, but you know, you have conversations here and there just trying to understand where they were coming from. And I remember having one conversation with my dad and we got to talking about like Igbo and the language and how none of us know it. And one thing my dad said was he just wanted all three of us to be as American as possible. You know, so it's mm-hmm. like they wanted us to blend in so much, but it's like you guys completely missed the mark in so many ways because you weren't allowing us to be like American children and like being involved in things, you know, being social. Like there are so many cultural like milestones that I feel like Americans have like in their childhood and teenage years that we didn't experience. So it's just an interesting contrast for them to say they want us to be one way as much as possible, but actually limiting us in so many ways. Yeah. Like kind of straddling the line between Nigerian and American and not really picking the side. I never thought about it like that. We did miss a lot of milestones. I mean, on both sides, because you see today, first gen, second gen kids, they really showcase their culture, you know, and that's something that we didn't really get to do, but yeah, you know, different strokes, different folks. But yeah, got to talk about the parties, man. The parties, that was what we got to let loose. We yes. got to see our, our uncles and our daddies getting lit. Right. Okay. They were probably like, you know, our age-ish, probably a little older now, but you know, within oh, the range where God. they still want to be out and having fun. Because like, I remember going to a lot of Nigerian parties. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, okay, y'all was, just, y'all was lit, you know? And y'all yeah. said, these kids coming. We still about to have a yeah. good time. Till 4 a.m. in the morning, yeah? 4 a.m. Because I remember all the kids always eventually fell asleep at the tables. And I remember always yep. being shaken by my mom. Like, come on, we're leaving. And then they might have to pick you up. I always remember that. Waking me up out of a deep slumber. <laughs> Damn, they was getting lit. Why are we... Mm-hmm. Am I, are you just realizing this right now? Because I am. <laughs> they were drunk. Now I realize this a little bit. Girl, wasted. <laughs> they used to be slapping each other on the back, just th- huddled around the bar. Okay. The guys used to be huddled around the bar, just talking with their clothes on and they Heineken's and they Guinness and they Hennessy. Hennessy oh, girl. God. The way we was doing Hennessy in our prime, 
I'm like, our parents <laughs> were literally drinking shots of Hennessy while their children yeah. slept <laughs> at a table yeah. four feet away. Yeah. And then uh, thank God for no checkpoints back then, because some of our parents was, uh, you know, driving a little litty afterwards. Now that I think most. about it. Those parties was awesome. Like that was a huge part of my childhood for sure. Mm-hmm. We always had our little outfits and I remember the food, mm-hmm. you know, always just wanting to be first in line. And I remember one thing, I, there were a couple of Nigerian parties where I got to invite some of my American friends. Like I remember I had invited oh, yeah. like Cecily to one thing. Cecily to one thing. <laughs> and I remember being, feeling so happy and like, probably, I guess it must have been like a, like a feeling of pride for them to be there. Cause I could show them everything, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. so this is what we wear. And I was like, and this is what goat meat is. And this is jollof rice. This is plantains. And like explaining all of that to them and explaining like, you know, why the men are going around saying, Ibokwenu, you know, why are they yelling? Da, 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 da. So it felt so cool to like have your friend there and like be able to show them. And I remember Ayana asked me, <laughs> she was like, why are they all wearing such big hats? <laughs> <laughs> and then I had What'd to explain to her, her. <laughs> yeah um, I think I was just like oh they're not hats they're like hair ties like, I don't think I knew the term for like gala back then but that always stuck with me it was so funny <laughs> and she probably wanted one mm-hmm. so yeah it definitely wasn't all bad the food we gotta talk about the food a little just a little bit more like we really used to be running like we used to be you know how when you run in a track and they have the little your back foot be like arched up on that little thing and they'd be like, they fingertips be touching the ground. So when they shoot yes. the, the gun, everyone takes off. That's how we were as kids when they would be like, what would they say on the mic? Um, like first you would see the aunties going to the back table, you know, to start mm-hmm. taking the tin foil off. Right. And then the MC Watch would usually like say hawk, something though. like, watching like a hawk. And the MC would say something like, okay, it's time to eat or something. And then we would all just get up and run. And I distinctly remember there was an age I had hit. I want to say it was either 14 or 13, where I realized how much older I was and that I couldn't just get up and run with the younger kids. So I walked, but I walked with haste to the food <laughs> line. I was trying to be a lady, you know? So Yeah. Wow. The good old days. I know. And the food still the hits pies. too. It's still his. Not like it used to, though, but it's still his. So how do you feel like growing up Nigerian affected you psychologically? Um, First and foremost, I would say that the whole fitting, like finding a place where you belong was a bit more difficult for me than it might have been for others. And that's just because it was kind of hard to feel like you belonged to a certain you know, group of people, right? Because on one hand, you're living in America, you are American, and, you know, you eat in Pizza Hut and you watch Family Matters, just like the rest of the other Americans. But then, you know, there are just these moments where, you know, the teasing or certain questions that were asked of me just made me realize that I wasn't a part of, you know, the American community fully and vice versa. You know, people would ask me questions like when it got to, middle school, they would ask me like, when was the last time you've been to Nigeria? And it wasn't recently. So then it was like, oh, you know, so it made me feel like I wasn't as Nigerian as I should have been, you know? So it just kind of felt like I was always straddling a line, which 
I think just made it hard for me to feel like I belonged anywhere at any point in time. So that wasn't fun. Definitely. I agree with just not feeling like, not even feel like I didn't fit in per se, because I never felt like an outsider, but I remember just like, you just knew that something about you wasn't like everyone else. You didn't know exactly what or why, you know? And I think if I, let's say, for example, I didn't have like friends or if I had been like actually like bullied and stuff, I think it would have been more obvious to me, but it was like, everyone seems to like me. I come to school and have a good time. Like, what is it that's different about me? So I think that's just like a very unique experience that most children may not experience growing up. You know, this idea that you are different from other people and you're always going to be different from other people because it was every year that that was pointed out, you know, and like we were talking about before, just even something as simple as calling role, that being so stressful for us for (laughs) no reason. And again, it's just from such an early age, you just learn that you are not like everyone else. So yeah, something that I went through a lot or dealt with a lot when I was young that I didn't realize until now, pretty much, is that, you know, my parents were so cautious about everything, whether I was going to a fair or going to the mall or going out to eat with friends or going to a sleepover, going to the movies, anywhere I went, it was this can happen, that can happen. You can get kidnapped. You don't know who's lurking around the corner. This is New Orleans. This could get stolen. Just every bad scenario that was probably not going to happen, they would kind of feed that to me. Like every way that whatever I wanted to do could go wrong or could end up harming me. So I think I was just really like anxious when I was young about a lot of things, like even when it came to just like speaking to someone or like, what am I going to say next? Or should I even ask to go here? That was something that I think it really affected me in those elementary school years. Dang. Yeah. It's like you really internalize a lot of that. Cause I remember my parents always would say stuff like that. Like no matter what you want to do, my mom's response to this day, honestly, is crime. (laughs) And it's like, there's literally crime everywhere but I think in my like angst I was just like you're just saying that because you don't want me to go it's like it's not true (laughs) even though she's right you know but it's like you cannot be so cautious that you don't allow your child to experience the world because it's like I think one thing our parents didn't understand as much as like how much social experiences actually matter for like development you know it's like you can try to protect your kid from everything and you're just going to raise an adult who's terrified of a lot of things and may not, may not know what to do, you know, but yeah, obviously our parents had a lot of, a lot of things. Right. And I think, you know, they had their reasons for their caution. And now that we're older, we're able to understand that, but it's just, you know, you wish that they just had a little bit more knowledge about how things could be, you know, it's like you moved here for new opportunities. It's like, allow yourselves to have those opportunities, allow your children to truly experience that. I feel like a lot of that limiting, like it just, it affected my relationship with my parents growing up. And I think about that a lot more as an adult and especially an adult who works with children. And just one thing I remember is just feeling like my parents were so mean. And that's so sad to remember that because I'm sure there were a lot of wonderful times and great moments, but you just remember like, why are y'all just so mean to me? Yeah, that's true. I never thought about it like that because 
it is hard to remember the good moments. I mean, I have a couple, of course, but the mean moments, they triumph over those good moments for sure. And I get it. They weren't just being mean to us. They were scared. You know, we were their babies. They were in this new place that was not their home. They were scared. They were scared that, you know, Uncle Sam, the murderer, was going to swoop their babies up around the corner at a sleepover and they would never see him again. So I get it. But back then, yeah, it was really tough. I remember um, parenting books were relative, not that they were new, like they didn't exist, but they were starting to become a thing, right? Like TV show hosts were talking about them. People who authored them were being interviewed and things like that. So I, I knew about parenting books. And I remember when I was maybe 15, 16, you know, those really angsty years, I was in an argument with my mom and I was like, I wish you guys would buy a parenting book or something. And she just, the way she told me to shut up, like I knew nothing, (laughs) I'll never forget that. But real talk, it was like, maybe if they would have read a book, you know, let me stop. They probably would have used it for kindling or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but it is interesting now being grown up and just being able to, you know, have a different perspective on it because I think I, you know, I understand things more and I feel like I have explanations now, but you know, there's still parts of you that wish that things could have been a little different or you wonder, well, what would I have been like if, you know, but what can we do? Well, that's all for this episode. Join us next time for part two, where we will discuss our experiences as second generation adults. Talk to you next time. Bye.